think goalie is the difference maker, and I definitely want to be the guy who helps the team win and do whatever it takes to get there. It's time for Blackhawks 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Cousins in the right circle, he shoots, and blanking and down with a butterfly save. Take the Blackhawks to go. Long shot, turned wide, loose puck, scramble in the crease. A follow-up shot there by Luke Cunning, and Lankinen got a piece of that, knocking it wide. Blackhawks 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Just great save by Lankinen yeah. in that series. That was a good sequence of saves. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi again, everyone. Another week, another Blackhawks 720 podcast. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio for Blackhawks Hockey, joined by Joe Brand, normally our Blackhawks reporter, but now wearing many other hats, as we as has been well-established here over the course of the past few weeks. And back by popular demand, we are back in Joe's Pilsen pad here, along with uh, our, our feline friend as well, Plankton. And... Um, uh, we, we were complimenting you about uh, last week about the, the coziness and the convenience coming over here from uh, Fifth Third Arena, where the Blackhawks practice, and, um, and also the convenience of not having to pay 30-plus bucks to park over at WGN. But then I forgot all about, uh, somehow I forgot about, oh, yeah, a 10, 12-inch snowstorm that just happened over the weekend and the challenge of finding street parking, even in Pilsen, where you don't have to pop quarters into your credit card everywhere. Uh, but lo and behold, I did find uh, a spot that I think I'd be able to get out of across the street here, uh, even though it is uh, rather rather slushy. It's uh, 7-Eleven-ish where, you know, you have a craving for a nice cold icy drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you uh, don't come down to your car being covered in tickets or uh, just totally wall-to-wall with And that's with our podcast, snow. everybody. You gotta go. <laughs> yeah, on the run. No, again, I should have uh, put out the lawn chairs and, and had a spot for you via dibs, but uh, I had a little trouble parking coming back from work earlier this morning, so that's the first thing I thought of, just roaming around here trying to find a spot. But this is the sweet time. This is the, this is the sweet spot of the, the perfect window to find an open spot, because either people are just leaving for their evening shifts, or they haven't gotten back from work yet, so this is always a good time to find a good spot. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll by that and uh uh, Blackhawks coming off a 3-1 victory over Columbus. Good thing we've been doing these on Mondays the last couple of weeks because they've been impressive outings on Sundays. But but first of all, a couple of other business, uh, points of business to take care of. Right after we introduced you to Plankton last week on Monday and, and talking about how Plankton wanted, to, wanted us to have more on Alex to bring it, right after we put the podcast out, the COVID list begins, and the Blackhawks have now had five players go on the COVID list, starting with the cat, and then Adam Boquist, followed by Lucas Walmark, and then over the weekend it was uh, Ryan Carpenter and Nicholas Bodan. So this is a uh, another another uh, curveball that uh, another choppy bit of ice that the Blackhawks are having to deal with, and. Uh, Walking in, Plankton is not happy that he hasn't been able to see the cat play for the past week, and neither neither are Blackhawk fans. I don't think either. No, but you know what? What Blackhawks fans should be positive about is the way that this team has responded. I know Jeremy Colleton wasn't too thrilled about that first effort against Nashville, but you take a look at it: four games, four points. I mean, you pretty much will take that for what type of hurdles the Blackhawks have already had to overcome heading into this year, and then not to even mention the guys that they lose due to COVID protocol. I mean, there are so many things that the Blackhawks have had to overcome this year, but yet here we are with another week able to pull so many positives from this team. And no, it's not perfect. No, there's definitely a lot of things that can be changed, fixed, or altered. But for the most part, there's a lot of things to still be excited about the future of this team rather than just the last couple of games, even though that has been very promising. And a lot of the names are the same, but some of them are different. And it's just all of this is starting to really make sense, at least at this early portion of the year. All the decisions in the offseason that were made by the front office and by Jeremy Colleton, they are really seeming to pay off at the early going. And I think if that doesn't happen at the beginning of the year, it's harder to get to that point midway through the year. But the fact that it, they're getting off on this foot, it kind of just sets the standard, sets the bar a little bit higher for the rest of this year. And I'm not even talking about playoffs or more points. It's just things to pull from positively from each game. And that's that's been a really good reoccurring theme over the last few days. And we'll hear from Jeremy Colleton following Sunday night's win in just a moment because there are certainly some new faces individually to, to talk about here, even more so over the course of the past week. 
as you might expect, after facing Detroit and putting up a sixth spot last Sunday, the offense has dried out. When you lose Boquist and Debrinket right off the bat, and then some other guys, particularly not not necessarily known for their offense, but you pile those two guys on top of who already has been missing. Uh, going into Sunday's game, they had scored just four goals in the first three games of the week, the two in Nashville and then the 2-1 loss on Friday to Columbus. But uh, for all the talk of uh, lack of five-on-five offense, they put three goals together on Sunday night, and that was good enough for a victory. And the other thing is, after allowing five goals apiece in each of the first four games, uh, since then the Blackhawks have allowed a total of ten goals in the last six games, Two of those have been on the power play, and that is just another indication. Let's face it, you know, playoffs. You know, that's that's still in dream world. I think for, for this team, you know, unless something should happen to come together extremely quickly and and uh, and very unlikely. But um, I think there's uh, the way this team has played lately. It's it's. Uh, you know, maybe until they get a Boquist and a Debrinket back, it's going to be a whole lot less sexy offensively. But the way they've been able to execute and stay in games, I I, I almost think there's 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 kind of an attractive blue collarness to this team right now. And you know, as we learn some of these kids and we see them potentially grow into roles, you can see them fill out in the future. Um, you know, Troy, Troy, and I, and, and John were, were talking about it in these two games against Columbus. And granted, there were some ugly stretches in the, in those two games against Nashville, but they found a way to hang in there and squeeze out two points. Is it ideal? Are you agreed? Do you want the second point? Of course you do. If you would have played a little bit better, but somehow they're managing games, finding a way. And we talked about this last week. Unlike the first four games of the season, unlike the previous three or four years, you're not seeing these long, deep, mad scrambles in their own end where they're just so frazzled and lost and don't know what to do. We're starting to see um, a system come together, and it's with these young kids who are, who are buying in along with a couple of veterans who are leading the way. Yeah, I think it's a few things, and I'm going to start with my theory that has been disproved heading into this year about the goalie situation with guys getting work nonstop when you're rotating through three different players because that's just how it has to be with this schedule. Clearly, Kevin Lankinen has just come in and stolen the show, and I know we'll talk about him later, but that's kind of the theory now, I believe, with all these other young guys and and the depth of this team right now. They know they're going to get an opportunity and they know that they're going to be playing with some star players like Patrick Kane and Dominic Kubelik and they're going to be able to interact with these Stanley Cup winning players like Kane and Shaw, obviously Kubelik hasn't won one, but they're going to get that experience. And they're also going to get the experience of playing with other guys that are in the same role as them, trying to make a name for themselves and trying to just show that they can be an important piece of the puzzle. Not the score, not the the star on the ice that they need in that moment. So I think that's one aspect, and this is something you alluded to last week, the fact that Jeremy Colleton is finally in this situation that I think the Blackhawks front office really wanted it, wanted him to be in because this might be where he excels and where he shines a little bit more because when he was the Rockford head coach it, it was all this talk about how great he works with these young players how how his mindset of the game works so well and that's something they want to implement with the new uh, with this Blackhawks team moving forward and now he has that opportunity most of the guys on this team know him as Jeremy Colleton, head coach of the Blackhawks, not Jeremy Colleton, the guy that replaced Joel Quinville. And it's not so much to say that these veterans may have been stubborn before or anything like that. I would never just jump to that conclusion. But I think the roles for the veterans have changed. And a lot of it changed when Jonathan Taves went down and when Kirby Dock went down. Now their role is to, yes, perform at their highest level, but also incorporate these young guys. Maybe instill a little confidence with these guys. And you, you saw it with the goal by Kirishev, where Patrick Kane's just hanging down on the two-on-one rush, and he's there, and he's he's a huge part of that goal because Janmark's thinking, okay, I'm going to give it to, to Patrick Kane because that's the best ideal situation right here for this goal opportunity. And Patrick Kane 
gives Philip Kurashev the shot, and it turns out to be the perfect right move. And I think that then that confidence can work both ways. And I know everything just seems so sunshine and rainbows because it is working right now, and I think the Blackhawks have exceeded expectations early on. But I, I don't think you can ignore that, and I think you have to give credit to both the coaching staff, the front office, and the, the roster that makes up this team right now because of it. As we queue up uh, Jeremy Carlton from Sunday's postgame, um, you know, he makes the reference here. To your point, um, we're starting to see now uh, Jeremy's ability and what his reputation was. And I don't know if we were totally seeing that his first year and a half or so behind the bench of managing young players, knowing when to push them, when to pull back, knowing that that consistency isn't always going to be there. And you'll hear here in these post game comments about how, you know, Kershev given an opportunity early, looked good for a couple games, got quiet for a few, but then he saw something in Friday's game. Jeremy did, what Kershev did. So he promotes him to center his natural position uh, on that line between Matthias Yambark, who I think has been really very quietly good this year, mm-hmm. along with Patrick Kane. And the hero we were talking about a week ago in Pew Suter, who scored the hat-trick against Detroit, his play between those two had fallen off a bit in the last couple of games. So now it's mixing and matching. And Pew Suter in Sunday's game, the first uh, seven minutes before he scored, uh, he was put on uh, a line with, with Strom and Kubalik. Actually, I think it was with Soderberg and Schock. Uh, let me correct myself there. And um, he had only seen the ice for one shift in that third period based on what Jeremy was seeing. Got out there again. All of a sudden, he just makes it what was a fairly smart play on his part because, you know, uh, Elvis had left the crease for for Columbus and then just flung the puck on net. And all of a sudden, Suter's, uh, you know, the team's leading score, at least for a, a few minutes there in the game. So now we're seeing how Jeremy operates with some of these young players, knowing when to push, when to pull, uh, noticing certain things in their game that may not be very evident to the normal fan's eye, but then, you know, taking note of it and then, making an adjustment down the road. And we saw that with Kurashev on Sunday night. So let's hear from Jeremy talking a little bit more about Kurashev uh, following that 3-1 victory against Columbus. And also the mental toughness of this team, uh, plugging and playing, uh, plugging in and, and guys playing, many of them getting their first NHL opportunities because of this cloud of COVID that has taken five players off their roster on top of the injuries coming in. Also, you'll hear Jeremy discuss the, the confidence that Kevin Lankinen's performance is giving the team how that's kind of seeping through the entire roster and how, you know, uh, less uptight the team may be in front of Lankinen, knowing that they have a certain degree of confidence in the job he can do. But he starts out here talking about how it was another good Sunday performance uh, coming off a, a uh, effort on Friday where he thought that they played very well and they just fell a little bit short. They were really good on Friday. But uh, you know, didn't get the result. If we could follow it up with uh, a solid performance, an energetic performance, a smart performance, that we'd get rewarded with two points. Um, if you don't do it, if you fall back into old habits and kind of um, get away from the habits that are going to help you win, then you don't get rewarded, and you got to start over. So, uh, really happy with how we handled that challenge. Uh, you know, obviously we're missing a few guys, but. There's no sympathy in the league. We've got to find a way to get it done anyway. And so a um, ton of credit to uh, that group in there. They really competed hard and did a lot of little things away from the puck. Uh, we were hard in puck battles when we needed to. Obviously, Lanks made some big saves for us, uh, You know, a couple of big kills for us, uh, particularly at the end. So, um, you know, we, we got rewarded, but now we got to get back to work and follow it up uh, with another Good performance uh, on Tuesday. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, Kurosev has been not that impactful the past few games, but yet you promote him to the first line anyway, and it, it paid off very well. Do you feel like that's just a sort of the way you should handle things with the young guys to give them confidence and translate it into production like that? Yeah, well, his play probably had dropped off a little bit. Uh, I thought the, you know, him and Strom and Kubi were, you know, very very impactful for you know three or four games and then uh, the last couple uh, just not as much but then I thought last game he showed a little life again and so um, you know sometimes when you see that you want to see if you know we can use that spark I thought he finished the game really well on on Friday and uh, you know just 
he makes a lot of plays. And I thought tonight he, his patience and confidence with the puck uh, really helped that line. And they had a few more chances, um, you know, of, of easy young guys. So it's not going to be, he's there now and it might last a few games and uh, you know, we'll let it run, but uh, it's going to be up and down with guys and we're just going to try and help them through it. And we, I think we got a bunch of competition. We got a bunch of young players who are pushing uh, for ice and that's a great thing. Hey, Jeremy, how impressed are you with the mentality of the group? I'm sure it could be so easy right now to look at the losses without Jonathan and Kirby and Alex and Brent even going into the year. And then you add on the five subtractions right now, like, and these guys are still battling. What can you say about that? Yeah, we, we've said it from the beginning of the year, right in training camp. Uh, we got to focus on getting better all the time. And, um, you know, the outside impression of us as a team, it really doesn't matter. Our, our priorities got to be trying to get better, competing, be relentless, be determined, protect each other uh, with our work ethic and our decisions. Um, and they're doing it. And you got to give them, I think, a ton of credit. Uh, the older guys leading the way and the younger guys playing without fear and coming in and being, being aggressive and being on their toes and seizing the opportunity that's there. And, uh, we're get we are getting better. I mean, you, the results are, they're not perfect yet, but, uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, uh, again, with so many young guys showing they're, they're ready to at least get an opportunity, uh, they're going to get a lot better here as the year goes on. And that looks really good for our team uh, in the you know weeks and months ahead. Do you like what you're seeing out of the rookies that are sliding into the lineup? Obviously, Reese Johnson was the guy today. Yeah, and, and uh, that's what you need. You need guys to step in and, and play minutes for you. Like Reese, his work ethic, his skating, he hit everything that moved tonight. Uh, he had good habits. It, it helps the guys you're playing with. And, uh, you know, we we really can't ask um, much more of our young guys. They've, again, they're going to make mistakes. We, we know that. And it's up to us to help them through it. And sometimes they need to take a step back or play a little bit less or their role needs to change from game to game. But uh, when they can come in and do a really good job, it just lifts the team and gives us so much more depth and uh, pace and push uh, within our group. So, um, you know, we're going to keep working with it. Hey, Jeremy, uh, Christian was probably on the outside looking in when he, when he started up training camp. W- what's impressed you? What surprised you about him so far? Yeah, no question. I did not um, expect him to come as quickly as he has. Uh, you know, again, seeing him in the summer camps and then last year, obviously, you know, watching him play in Rockford and, and obviously he was he was getting better and everyone was positive about him as a, as a prospect down the line, but even just watching him play in Lugano, um, you know, with the pace of his game has really improved. And obviously we challenged him coming into camp. Like, this is what you need to do. If you want to compete for a spot, you know, thinking that he would, um, you know, respond and, and improve, but he has, uh, he's answered the bell, um, you know, in every way, as far as, you know, being quicker he's a good skater but it's one thing to be a good skater it's another thing to play with pace and push and uh you know transport the puck to the neutral zone and have pressure on the puck when he doesn't have it and he becomes easier to play with and uh he's done a great job so um you know it's it's early and um like i said it's going to be ups and downs but he he's done a good job so far we're proud of him did you see any difference today with him at center and any different responsibilities for him tonight yeah, he's he's a natural center. I mean, he I think to his credit, he's done a great job of adjusting to the wing. He's made some nice wall plays. He's been solid defensively, but it is an adjustment. Little things like getting in shot lanes and uh, just it's a different way to defend. But uh, you know, his skating and his patience with the puck, his support on breakouts, uh, his ability to to get the puck to the neutral zone. Um, you know. It's it's a nice help at center, and I thought he was he's really good tonight. You know, there's there's going to be little things that uh, he needs to improve, and that's that's not a surprise. But uh, it was a good, real good showing for his first game at center. Jeremy, what do you have to say about the the kind of uh, maturity and headiness uh, Suter showed on on that uh, goal that he had? Yeah, the uh, you know first of all, you know pressure on the puck to force a turnover, and then uh, that's what. 
smart, intelligent players do. He knew that the goaltender was in a tough spot and he'd give himself a chance. So uh, that was a big goal for us, obviously. And I thought he got a little boost from it. I thought he he got better in the third. Um, had I thought that line was good. You know, we flipped, put him with uh, um, Soderberg and Shaw. And I thought that was, uh, they gave us some really good shifts in the third period. We mentioned it every time Kevin started in goal, how well he plays. How much is that filtering down to the team? Because when you have somebody playing that well, doesn't that give a confidence to everybody around him? No question. He's, uh, he, but he, the way he makes the saves also is, uh, you know, he looks under control. He's very good. Uh, you know, he covers up a rebound. Sometimes, you know, you're on the run a little bit and you give up a chance just, the, the goaltender having the ability to freeze it and get you a face off can, can help you settle down. And, uh, he, he does that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's day by day. He's got to keep working at it. It's, uh, he's building his body of work, but, uh, he's been, he's been a big help for us. Jeremy Colleton sensing a, a lot of excitement and uh, what he was observing with some of these guys. And let's keep in mind, uh, Reese Johnson, who got his opportunity on Sunday night, and I think he ended up with seven hits in 10 or 11 minutes of play. He was the fifth member of the Blackhawks this season to make his NHL debut, along with Suter, Kurashev, Lankinen, and Mitchell. So uh, him ad- admiring the grit of this group, along with uh, the veterans meshing in with that. Yeah, you talked about Kane and Key. I think they're getting a kick out of doing this, even though this might not be the glory days of years gone by. They're finding some pleasure in getting a kick out of it. And after Monday's practice, we're recording after Monday's practice, Duncan Keith met the media too. And he was probably as giddy as I've ever seen him. You know, he, he's usually kind of lowbrow and, you know, Mr. Curmudgeon at times. But, you know, he was joking around a little bit with the media and uh, seems pretty excited about a rejuvenation about seeing the excitement in some of these young guys getting their first opportunity and maybe even some of that nervous energy being passed along to some of the veteran guys, too. Well, again, it's it's a unique situation for all these veterans, whether they're cup winners or not on this Blackhawks team, because it, rejuvenation is the perfect word. It's, it's this whole new... A uh, batch of players that are all trying to break in to the NHL on a consistent basis, and that's something that some of these veterans aren't used to. Yeah, a guy here or a guy there year after year, but it, it's always still been that winning cup or die mentality for the Blackhawks for the most part over the last few years. So this is a, a different situation, and honestly, I just feel like, and th- they should do this, they're just taking advantage of this situation. Again, it's it's unique. It's it's an opportunity to be a mentor. It's an opportunity to be a leader. And it's an opportunity to still have some fun without the full-on pressure of winning because everyone understands the situation at hand right now. Uh, Jeremy Colleton referenced how he was pleased with his team on Friday, and if you keep up efforts like that, you're going to get two points. I thought Friday's game is is the best way to lose for this team. And obviously that's easy to say when it, when a team performs well and still comes up short. But, you know, you, it's a close loss. The head coach is pleased with the effort. You don't get any points. So if you really want to talk about the tanking aspect, okay, that helps them <laughs> in that regard. But it's, it's not even about that. It's the fact that they're out shooting Columbus. They, they have more chances. They have more high-danger chance. Like, things are working. Even though they didn't win the game, there's still so many things to pull from positively. But it only works that way if you follow it up the next day mm-hmm. or the next game with that same effort. And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly how they ended up winning. Now, granted, they got a little bit lucky because, like you said, uh, Merzley coming out of the crease twice and the Blackhawks pounce on that opportunity but you know it, it you can only play the teams that you're scheduled against you can only play that opponent how well they're doing at that time and I thought they fully on took advantage of it and you saw a really pleased head coach and kind of going back to the last thing we talked about the fact that he's able to put Kurashev up to the top two lines or or demote Pia Suter if he's struggling a little bit they don't get that opportunity if Taves and Doc and Debrinkit is there available day after day on this team right now, or Alex Nylander for that matter. So again, I think they're all taking advantage of the situation and making the best of it right now. Granted, ideally you'd want all, all four of those guys back. Right, you know, of course. <laughs> seeing what they could do. But because this is the situation that it is, 
um, you deal with it the best you can, and, and you squeeze as much as you can to find out about some of these young players. And one of those that you heard Jeremy raving about was was Philip Kurashev. And again, uh, this, this won't be a steady incline all season long. There will be dips and valleys, and then you know Kurashev's game will climb once again. And uh, um, it's taken a step forward over the course of the last last few games. And, and let's hear from Kurashev, kind of a, a quiet, subdued kind of kid um, uh, from Switzerland, a fourth round draft pick a couple of years ago. 21 years old, and uh, but he has definitely shown flashes, and this is a kid who probably still needs to fill out another, you know, uh, anywhere from 8 to 12 pounds, or maybe a little bit more than that when he gains full maturity uh, with, with his uh, National Hockey League physique. But you'll hear him here again. This is a short snippet, another short snippet we'll hear in a few minutes as well from Kevin Lankin and about what it was like playing with Patrick Kane, Gee, I wonder what he'll say about that. Also, uh, the fact that, you know, he scored three goals here uh, early on in his career. Right now on this team, that puts him in a tie for second or a tie for third if you count the two guys in four, uh, with four apiece, Suter and Kane. And also about how he took the time, and the team wanted him to take the time for the uh, between the Edmonton bubble when he was traveling with the team just from an observatory standpoint and, and practicing, taking that time between uh, whatever it was, the end of August and then heading back over here in early to mid-December, going overseas to Switzerland to play for Lugano over there and working on the things that the team wanted to. And that was continue to move his feet, um, uh, increase the pace in his game. Those were the things that he was instructed to do. And Jeremy Carlton and the entire hockey operations staff noticed a difference. And here Khrushchev opens up talking about how he felt it was a difference for him too in terms of making himself um, a factor in this Blackhawks team once he got back into Chicago? It's been great so far. Uh, I think this uh, the time in Switzerland for sure helped me uh, to come ready uh, for camp here. And uh, um, I think uh, I got uh, some momentum from playing there and uh, got it over here. So um, it's been good so far. What was the key for you with playing Kane tonight? What did you try to do with him? Uh, you know, just try to, uh, you know, have fun, I guess. You know, it's a... Uh, uh, one of the best players ever, and uh, it was really fun to play with him and uh, try to help him. He helps me, so uh, it was uh, really fun tonight. Yeah, just sort of building on that. Uh, it seemed like you know, the past few games you hadn't been as involved as much, but then to get promoted to the first line anyway, is that sort of a, a feeling of confidence from the coaching staff that, that helped you have such a strong game tonight? Uh, yeah, it was uh, great news uh, that they put me on the first line uh, today. Um, and, uh, you know, I just try to do my best. Uh, whatever line they put me, um, doesn't really matter. I just go out there and uh, try to help the team as much as I can. Was it nice being at the center as well? Yes. Uh, I kind of already got used to, but uh, wing. But now uh, back to center, so uh, it feels great. Uh, I feel really comfortable there. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I can keep going. So I'll ask you about uh, the assist to, to Kane first. Um, could you believe that uh, Lincoln was caught out of, out of the net? Again, take take us through that process of what you saw and what decision you decided to make. Well, I just saw the, you know, Merzlikens going out of the net. Uh, just try to put some pressure. Uh, I got the lucky bounce and uh, gave it to Kane and he, he scored. Um just you know, just try to put pressure on the forecheck, and uh, uh, yeah, we got a bounce there. Did you uh, expect uh, to have this you know, kind of offense that you've had um, so far this season? I was hoping for it. Yes, uh, last couple of games, you know, was a little bit uh, less, but um, I think so far it's been good. Uh, I'm just trying to get better every day and. You know, keep helping the team as much as I can. Khrushchev, one of those guys, you know, along with Suter, depending on how the rest of this 56-game schedule plays out, uh, along with a handful of other guys, whether it's, uh, you know, Reese Johnson or one, any one of these handful of defensemen, where Blackhawks fans, I think, can start to see, uh, you know, when, when this team comes together again, hopefully in the fall when things are normal, and you have a Kirby Doc back, you hopefully have a Jonathan Taves back. Um, that takes a backseat to his, his overall health, of course. Um, and, and then you make whatever more moves on top of the experience some of these young guys get. I think Blackhawks fans can, can start to see some of these pieces right now that are getting this experience and exposure being a part of 
this team advancing and growing and becoming a contender again. It's pre- it's pretty easy with some of these guys that have been the heroes uh, or part heroes each of the last uh, couple of Sundays offensively. Yeah, and again, kind of going back to something we talked about earlier, the, the opportunity that these players have and that Jeremy Colleton have to sprinkle a Philip Kurashev on a Patrick Kane line and see how that works. I mean, how many times have we seen younger guys or new guys on this team work with Patrick Kane? And it's always kind of a hit or miss in terms of chemistry with him because he's always such a great guy to play with. He immediately makes his line mates better, but there's always that fear that they worry too much about getting the puck to Patrick Kane and letting him take things over. So when a guy clicks with Kane immediately, that's a good sign because it shows that he's got confidence in himself and he understands the game plan at hand. And um, so I I think that's a huge sign. And not to mention the last last week when we were talking about it, I mentioned how he's, he's not really showing a fear to be crafty in front of the net. And we saw that twice on Sunday. I mean, he's he's in the right spot. He's crashing the net. He's not afraid to be there. He's not afraid to toughen up against guys, and he's, he's just in the right spot at the right time. And the fact that he's aware about that right now, and he, he's, I don't want to say, on the same page all the time as Kane, but he knows what Kane might be doing with the puck at that certain time. Again, small sample size, but for him to pick that up right away, I think that shows a good hockey IQ from that guy. Pewee Suter, you, uh, you get on the line with Patrick Kane. You score a hat-trick last Sunday. Philip Kershev, you center for Patrick Kane this Sunday, and you get a goal and an assist in a 3-1 to victory. And uh, but, but the guy who remains um, the biggest young player spotlight or has the youngest player spotlight on him continues to be simply based on performance time and again is Kevin Lankinen and you know his buddy that he trains with that he's known for 10 years was the main reason the Blackhawks lost on Friday night because um, they carried the play for for much of much of that game on Friday night only to lose 2-1 if it wasn't for Jonas Corposalo on the other end of the ice, and you know, I'm sure Kevin Lankin felt a little bummed that he wasn't able to maintain bragging rights over his uh, buddy that he trains with in the off season, and they've known for ten years. But uh, if Corpusalo isn't in that end of the ice on the opposite side, the Blackhawks come away with a sweep. And you know, here we're talking about taking steps. I'm I'm really going to be curious again to see what the Blackhawks how they're going to play when they see Tampa again, or they're going to see Dallas for the first time. Now we're going to see Carolina for the first time. Carolina is without a couple of key players due to COVID. Tavo Teravine and one of them, and they have gotten off to what a five and one or five zero oh and one start. They're allowing only two goals a game. So now, as they step up in class, two games against Carolina this week, two games against Dallas, and then you know I don't know when they ever they, they face Tampa again. It's got to be sometime soon based on the schedule. You know, I, I want to see. The, the body of work we started with was against Tampa, and how they'll look when they see them again is what I'm curious about. Against Nashville, you look at the Blackhawks roster in those two games against Nashville on paper versus the Predators, there's no reason they should be in that game. Columbus is a team, granted, not a lot of star power while they wait for Patrick Liney to join them, but nevertheless, a solid playoff team that knocked off Tampa Bay and gave them all a run for their money, knocked them off two years ago and gave them a run for their money this year, and now we get to see how they fare against a Carolina, a real stout defensive Carolina team. Yeah, I think goals are still going to be hard to come by, but I'm I'm, I'm really curious to see uh, the Hawks second time around or you know, first time around against these higher caliber opponents, second time around against Tampa, that will be really a, a, a truer gauge for me. And the first time around against Tampa, they didn't have any Kevin Lincoln. They didn't know what Kevin Lincoln had for them. Now we have a better idea. Again, we're not going to stamp him the star goalie of the future, but uh, he has certainly given every indication uh, he ain't going to let go of it. With the, with the way he's performed these last five or six games. The more he plays, the more I like him. And the more he talks, the more <laughs> I like him. I, I just love this dude's confidence and his, his positivity. What did he say after uh, Sunday's game? This is my time to rise. Like, who says that? O- only a guy with full-on confidence and the fact that he's backing it up, Sounds too. Sounds like he's being a steel cage match somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but, but right? But he says it very quietly. Yeah, you know? is he going to be in the next UFC fight? But uh, <laughs> And going back to his buddy Corpusalo, as you mentioned, and he, he calls him positive, friendly guy. You can't not like him. And I think that just is totally gone to show what he brings to the mentality of this team when he comes on the ice and, 
I mean, even just the post-game interviews, it's a dude that is just fully aware of what he can bring to the table. He's got a ton of confidence in himself right now, and he's he's backing it up. And it, it's just the fact that it's it's all the fundamental things, too. It's not like he's always standing on his head and making these miraculous saves, but here we are saving him for pretty much the last topic of this podcast. Don't worry, we'll still we'll still have some content to get to. But but th- that's, the, that's the fact is he's just become all of a sudden – this guy that, oh yeah, and by the way, the rookie goaltender is is exceeding expectations at the NHL level. I mean, just the numbers alone, a goals against average over the first six games of under two, a save percentage of over 930. For the last five games, you take away his, his NHL debut, he's given up less than a goal and a half per game, and a save percentage over 950. So... Again, maybe small sample size, but you really don't see how this guy can let up. Or, or if he does, it's you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt to bounce back from it, at least this year, because of what he's able to do immediately and fundamentally. And we should give a little shout-out, and impressed by the way Malcolm Subban responded in that game last week. Yeah, that's true. Week. That's very um, true. Because... You know, everyone was kind of their eyes kind of popped open when in that first of that back to back that Jeremy Collison gave Subban the net, thinking, okay, Lankinen's on a roll. Let's give him the first game and see if we can get two points out of it. He gave Subban the net. Absolutely no reason, uh, no fault of Subban that they didn't come away with a second point uh, in that game against Nashville. So uh, uh, props to, to Malcolm there. But yeah, uh, two or fewer goals in his last five games after that NHL debut. He has stopped 153 of 160 shots that he has faced, and uh, there's there's going there's has to be a bad game here coming up somewhere. And how he responds to that, yeah, I, if that comes, the way his his demeanor has been, what we've heard of him, what you'll hear from him now in just a second, uh, leads me to believe that. This, this guy isn't going to be crushed if he has one of those bad apple games. He's going to be able to bounce back with the, with the confidence factor that he is. And it just continues uh, oozing out of him. And uh, here after the 3-1 the to one victory over Columbus on Sunday night, um, he was asked about where he still thinks he needs to improve. You'll hear him talk about that a little bit. And uh, also the impressive numbers that he has put up so far, especially since that first NHL start. Um, But here he begins by saying he's not very much at all phased by the stage and the level of competition going up against the best players in the world. I played a lot of years pro. I played pro in Finland for four years. Then I came over, played two years in Rockford. I think that's been a a really good development for me, both on the ice and off the ice ice as well. I just feel like it's the right time for me to rise, you know. I've been waiting for this opportunity for a long time. I've been working extremely hard to one day get a crack at the NHL, and I've been lucky to to get a few starts here, and obviously I want to make the most of it. Kevin, we've talked about you facing uh, different types of experiences and rising to the occasion. Uh, what would you say would be uh, one or two of those kind of moments tonight, uh, perhaps you know, that, that Texier uh, breakaway opportunity or would it be something else? I would say that that would be one of those. Um, in a close game, you might you might give up a breakaway or just a puck might bounce and they might get a chance. So I think that's, that's the part when the goalie needs to step up and make the save and uh, at the end of the day makes the difference. I think goalie is the difference maker and I definitely want to be the guy who helps the team win and do whatever it takes to, to get there. Sometimes when you you find early success, you, you can get kind of caught up. But I'm sure you give yourself a, a, a critique. What, what would you say you still need to improve on? I think I'm still. There's lots of stuff with we have been working on with uh, goalie coach Jimmy. Just uh, playing the puck behind the net, communicating with the D, um, just reading the play. When you when you're gonna challenge, when you're gonna be more laid uh, laid back and just read the game. I think that's gonna going to come eventually with more games um obviously you want to have good puck control when they throw in a lot of pucks at the net you want to make those saves and keep the pucks in the corner if you can't control it um that's one thing but also in general just uh communicating with the d i know we have a lot of new guys i'm a new guy too so i think it's going to only get better from here is it surreal for you even a little bit despite your confidence how how well it's gone i mean you're now seventh in the league and safe percentage i think is that did you have any idea it would be this good this immediately? 
No, I mean, I'm just happy where we are right now. Uh, obviously, with the win, it feels great. I think that was a big step for our team just to face some adversity and then come away with the the win. But for me as well, I think a lot, every single game, every single period I'm out there, I just feel more relaxed. I gain, gain more and more confidence. Um, I don't really like to judge my game by the numbers that much because usually... Uh, sometimes might happen. The numbers don't tell the whole truth. Uh, there's so much that goes in the hockey game, even even with goalies. Sometimes you might made a mistake, and that shows on the stats. But you might have made uh, 30 or 40 good saves. And um, I just try to live in the moment and move day by day because I I feel like I'm in a good groove, and I just want to keep getting better and uh, helping this team win. I feel calm myself after uh, much more calm myself after listening to Kevin Lankinen because he uh, certainly talks that way with the media and is and is that way in net and um, it, it is his certainly moving forward. That doesn't mean opportunity is going to be closed to uh, to everyone else. But here over the course of the next week, you have spaces in between games, days between games. As a matter of fact, a couple days between uh, Thursday Carolina and then Sunday afternoon uh, Dallas Stars. So. He could be the if he keeps performing this way, he could be the guy all week long. But I still think that uh, that Jeremy Carlton would would you know give him a breather here and there, not put too much on his plate. Hopefully, keep him in the groove while you know seeing what the likes of a Subban or even Adelia will be, especially coming off you know uh, sitting around watching Lincoln and do what he does, and perhaps building up a little rust. We know that Subban certainly uh, took care of his business uh, last week. So. With that, I want to pose this question to you and, and to Blackhawks fans. Because, so I was thinking about this the other day. Obviously, Kevin Lankinen was was basically option C that everyone thought was going to run forward with this goalie competition, and uh, still in the early stages. But as of right now, he seems to be the guy. I wonder how different it is if the Hawks do figure out something with Corey Crawford in the offseason. Now, I, I know this is, okay, well, Corey Crawford's not playing. He he retired, and it would be Kevin Lankin as the third guy anyway. But I, I almost wonder, okay, you, you sign a one-year, two-year deal with Crawford, whatever. There's still a little bit more incentive or a little bit more drive or a little bit more pressure for this team to win. So if Crawford's out of the picture then, kind of late notice, like mm-hmm. he was with New Jersey, then it's, okay, now we got to rely on Subban or Delia. And we also got this Lankinen guy for some depth. Mm-hmm. Does he get a shot that early? Does he get to play so much so early on? Or are they worried? I, obviously, if he comes out and he has the start that he's had this year, yeah, there's the incentive to keep playing him. But I almost wonder, okay, well, it's either got to be Subban or Delia because the, everything changed. The mantra kind of changed when they decided to go to do away with Corey Crawford. Right. It's okay, now we have to find the goaltender of the future, and we've got these three guys who who possibly could be it. So I almost wonder, and you don't even have to answer because I know if Lincoln would have been out of sight, out of mind if Corey would if yes. Corey would have been re-signed. Yes. Um, Probably, or, or or I would think that it, it was. It seemed to be a fairly level competition throughout training camp. Okay, so that's why Jeremy may have gone with the more experienced guys, be it not by much, but still knowing the the potential of Lankinen. Um, now then. You know, maybe whoever he gave that backup job, and granted, we'd be looking at three goaltenders if Corey was here too. Um, if given their opportunities, um, you know, if if they gave Corey his games, and then whenever Subban got his or Delia got his, um, and it wasn't impressive, you know, after a while maybe they'd cycle Lankin and in there. I would have bet he, he would have started the season in Rockford uh, unless he was absolutely lights out in training camp above those two others, which which wasn't the case, um, you know, e- even without Corey. So uh, I would imagine, yeah, maybe he would have stuck around, but the, the priorities would have been Sue Banandelia behind Crawford. So, you know, this is a, another byproduct, uh, pleasant, pleasantly surprising byproduct of that anger so many people <laughs> felt. Right, right. And, and let, let's be honest, it, it's 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 not like Stan and, and, and Hockey Ops probably saw this coming to the degree that it has. Right. But, um, you know, throwing it all out there, this is the season to do it. And I fully you know, agree. This is the season to do it, to experiment. And 
then they had a couple other bad hands dealt them right before training camp started. So if you're not going to have fans, if you're going only only 56, uh, if you've already declared a, re, a rebuild, um, then this is the season to try and, you know, maybe take a step back in an effort to move forward more quickly and find out what some of these guys are about. And it is Kevin Lankin, it is example 1A and, and all yeah. that and, and seeing – what he can do amidst a, a bunch of other, you know, promising prospects. Yeah, and I mean, I don't pose that question to to try and prove a point. Like one one aspect of all the decision making that has been made over the few months is is one hundred percent right, and the other side is one hundred percent wrong. And anybody that criticized Stan Bowman should be, you know, having Kevin Lankinen shoved in their face right now to show yeah. how, how good he is. But again. These are tough decisions that front office members have to make, and as of right now, it seems to be the right decision, at least of the risk outweighing the reward, or or the, like you said, the the right opportunity to go forward with this. Like, it's not just the fact that Stan Bowman didn't want Corey Crawford anymore. He just assessed the whole situation, present and future, and it is a risk, and as of right now, it has paid off. So it's... I, I think it, that just needs to be known and that needs to be acknowledged because the moment Corey Crawford isn't signed, it's this is the worst move since insert move here. <laughs> you know, it's it's just everything needs to be just taken back a little bit, seen at a wider view. And as of right now, again, there's there's a lot of years and a lot of hockey still to be played, and obviously a lot in front of Malcolm Subban, Colin Dealey, and Kevin Lankinen. But as of right now. It's it, it's basically validating why Stan Bowman had this thought, not even that decision, but that thought. Small sample size and forty six games to go, you yeah. know, in this season, and thing, things can change. Uh, but so far, based on what we've seen from some of these young players, um, yeah, it seems to be the right way to go. And then there is also the school of thought that um, if Corey had agreed, you know, Stan's maintain that the reason Corey isn't back is he didn't want to take a one-year deal. One-year deal would have been one thing, Corey wanted two, and that's where they decided to let him walk. Now, if Corey even decided to take take the one-year deal here, um, if that's what was offered and the Hawks were willing to sign him for an agreeable amount, um, there's a school of thought by, by many observers and people I know that Corey wouldn't be retired right now because he was in Chicago, in familiar territory, mm-hmm. and being with a team that he was comfortable with. That's why I posed the so, question, too. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, it, it could be a situation where, where Corey still would have been here to you know, completely finish out his, his playing career. I personally think that would have been his, his preference, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing the landscape in New Jersey – Meaning more than one thing, you know, it, it probably it may have shocked the system and led him to that. But I, I don't know for sure. It could be something totally different than that. But I, I just have a gut feeling that if Corey was brought back even for one year, he'd be playing this year out. So, uh, but we will never know uh, unless unless he comes clean about it sometime. And I don't think Corey's <laughs> going to be inclined. That, to do you that, know what? You know? That'd be a great, great story. How about that? Speaking of coming clean, as we wrap up here, um, how's thirty? You had a birthday uh, since uh, since our last podcast. Yeah, I too. know, and it feels like it's been a two week birthday because uh, people keep reminding me that I'm 30 years old. No, I know it's 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 definitely a, a shock to me. Um, There's a lot of us out here who would love to be. 30 I know, again. I know, and I'm trying to keep that in perspective. But um, yeah, I uh, like I said on Facebook, I, I want my hand stamped so I can leave the 30 club whenever I want. But um, no, I mean, I'm I, again happy to have the opportunities I have. Very happy with a lot of things going on in my life. So here we go. Here comes the next decade. Onward and, and upward. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, ha- happy for the people in my life and uh, what's going on right now. So it was it was a great birthday. It really was. It good. Really was good. And it, and uh, this has been a year where it's hard to have birthdays. Yeah, and really yeah, celebrate and uh, and absorb them and appreciate them. So uh, good on you for that. Um, what do you say? Uh, I don't know. Uh, next Sunday or Monday, we do this again. By that time, the Hawks will have play, uh, played Carolina twice. See how they fare against a team that, as they come to town, uh, has given up an average of two goals per game. Uh, which is <laughs> now, now granted, they're they're not. Uh, they do have some offensive firepower that they're missing, um, but 
actually it's even better. It's it's one point six seven goals against average, leading wow. the league. So the Blackhawks offensively will be tested once again. See if there's ways they can generate against you know a, a team that's had a couple of uh, impressive runs to the playoffs the last. Um, pair of seasons. But they are without one of their goaltenders. Yes, right? yes. Uh, they just lost Peter Mrazek. Looks as though he'll need surgery. He and James Reimer were splitting um, the duties. They have been for the last couple of years. This is also a team that kills off more than 91% of the penalties coming to town. That's second in the NHL. And also second in the NHL, they only allow 23 shots per game. So this will be <laughs> another measuring stick for the Blackhawks as they take on this uh, this Carolina team that comes to uh, town. And this is also a Hurricanes team that had been sitting out for a while because of all their COVID problems. And all they did was welcome a 4-0 Dallas team to their place once they get back into action, and they beat them twice, <laughs> the team that went to the uh, Stanley Cup final last year. So this is another test. Then the Blackhawks go see Dallas and uh, – Either after that Dallas two-gamer or maybe between games one and two, they have a Sunday afternoon game um, uh, to open things up against Dallas. Uh, maybe we'll sit down and do another podcast again. So, uh, But again, we'll see We'll see if, if the points can keep coming in one form or another, and we can continue to see these uh, steps moving forward because um, you know I think from what people's expectations were from the outside looking in, um, and, and granted, three, four, and three, you know, they're not on their way to the Stanley Cup by any means, but I don't. I wonder if a lot of people would have expected three, four, and three, especially after we saw the first two or three games down in Florida. I honestly wouldn't. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be right right out front and, and say that right now. But again, I, I think it's I think it's the way that they've gotten to three, four, and three, the good and the bad. Um, it, is it, it's been an intriguing path. It's been very enlightening to see some players that we didn't expect to to have the starts they've had. But I also think heading into this. Uh, kind of a powerhouse set of matchups between Carolina and Dallas is is going to be a good challenge for this team, and especially at the time that they're heading into it, because they're kind of riding high right now, or, or at least as high as this team can be. So it'll be a good challenge for them, and, and maybe they get humbled a little bit, but then how do they bounce back from that? And, and who knows? Maybe they come out firing on Tuesday night against Carolina, but, but I think it's a good challenge and a good opportune time for this team right now. It's really the narrative of the entire season, just seeing how this team is able to grow and individually and and from a group uh, standpoint. So that's a wrap for this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Uh, we want to thank Ernie Scatton, our producer, Curtis Koch, as well. want to thank you for listening, encouraging you to subscribe all the time. So whenever we have a new one, it'll be right there waiting for you. In the meantime, uh, Joe and I and WGN Sports will uh, advertise uh, when a new one is out there. Uh, Joe's at at Joe underscore brand one on Twitter. I'm at at Bowden tweets. Uh, but again, we encourage you to subscribe and uh, we appreciate your listenership. And uh, for the 30 year old Joel brand and for the <clears throat> Chris Bowden, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!